Well, here we go again, fellas. We're all about special. Uh, we're all about bringing special things to the good listeners. Jungle Jim Jerome coming out with another episode of Inside Curling, a special episode, as I said. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to give you a little update of what's happening in the curling world uh, and bring a special interview with the U.S. Olympic trials, uh, which start in Omaha, Nebraska. Kevin, you're on your way there. Warren just told me you've got to bring us back some steaks. You ready for that? <laughs> That's right. I've got some shopping to do when we're in Omaha. Grab a coffee, everyone. Pull up a seat. And let's get ready to talk some curling. Last rock. Eighth end. Up by two. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm white. I don't think you are either. Oh, oh. It's clean. Oh, don't oh. kill it, Ben. Don't kill it. Don't kill it. Line's really good. Line's good. Right on the button, guys. Right Last here, guys. stone for Kevin Martin. They want it on the button. The sweepers are watching it. Fans are on their feet. Kevin Martin goes out as a champion. Cuts him to one. He will win his final Grand Slam, taking the Players' Championship. Talk about putting an exclamation mark at the end of a career. All he had to do was cut him down. Kevin Martin can celebrate. He is a champion. Well, here we go, boys. Uh, we want to thank all our uh, sponsors, Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Goldline, Nestle Boost, and Meridian. And here's what's on the show today. From the top, we're going to go to what's happening at the Pacific Asia Championship, the Canadian Mixed Championship, and the Stu Sells Classic in Halifax. Uh, we've got a great interview, uh, Kevin, that you did with Tabitha Peterson and Becca Hamilton. Uh, and they are uh, on their way to the trials, right, Kevin? Uh, pretty good team. They definitely have a good shot, and there's no question. And, uh, yeah, they've been curling a lot lately as well. Very good. Uh, so we look forward to listening to that. But let's go to you first, Warren, with an update on what's happening at the Pacific Asia Championships in Kazakhstan. All right, Jim. Well, it's moving right along over there. They're getting down to the second last day. And let's first talk about the men's side of things. There were four nations advanced to the final four teams and the men's side, Japan, Korea, Kazakhstan, and Chinese Taipei. They played in the semifinals earlier today, probably as expected in the two versus three game. Korea defeated Kazakhstan 7-4, and the one versus four was Japan 8, Chinese Taipei 3. So Korea will go against Japan later today to determine the Pacific Asia champion. And the winner of that game will advance to the men's worlds in Las Vegas in April. There will be another uh, situation happening. Normally, there would be two teams uh, coming out of that event, as we talked about earlier, but that's not happening this year because last year, one of their teams finished last in the men's world. So the loser of that game is now going to have to go into a qualification round over in Finland that's going to be played uh, January 17th to 22nd. Besides there being eight men's teams, there'll be eight women's. There'll be one from the host nation, an America's team, two from Pacific Asia, and four European teams. So because there's going to be two from Pacific Asia, it'll be the loser of the Korea and Japan game, along with the winner of the bronze medal game, Chinese Taipei and Kazakhstan. And I think the really interesting thing is, to the best of my knowledge, this is going to be the first time ever a team other than the ones we're familiar with out of Asia will advance to that qualification round. So Chinese Taipei or Kazakhstan are going to be in that event for the first time. On the women's side, it's a little more straightforward. There's three teams remaining. They will play tomorrow in the semifinal. 
Kazakhstan versus Korea, and the winner will go against Japan in the final. And the two finalists on the women's side will both advance to the women's worlds in Prince George in March. And there's two teams going from the women's side because they, unlike the men, did not finish last in the world championship in 2021. You know, thinking about this, to Warren's point here, you've got Kazakhstan and Chinese Taipei playing in the final four with two countries that are very strong in curling, Japan and, and Korea, and then they play them, and the scores, 8-3, uh, 7-4, like, those are good battles. Uh, these teams are obviously getting pretty good, really quick, Warren. Like, that, isn't it a shock? Like, this is amazing. I, you know, we, we always talk about growth in curling worldwide. Well, it's becoming pretty apparent. Yeah, it is without question. I mean, you'd sort of expect the kind of scores when you saw the Botcher team play Mexico and Brazil in the uh, in the battle for the Americas uh, second spot. But uh, as you say, the scores are pretty respectable and, and I'm going to be quite anxious when we first see one of these teams out of this area, Chinese, Taipei or Kazakhstan, or a couple more that didn't do bad as to exactly how good have they become. So the sport keeps rolling along. Also uh, going on in Canmore, Alberta, is the Canadian mixed teams. Uh, it's taking place. Warren, what's going on there? Canadian Mixed Championship, Jim, and we're down to the final eight in the playoff system that they're using. We'll just go through who are in the final eight. Some familiar names. Northwest Territories, Jamie Cooey, seven and one. Ontario, Michael McLean, six and two. And then four teams are at five and two. BC, Sebastian Robillard. And New Brunswick, another familiar name, James Grattan. Quebec, real familiar name, Jean-Michel Menard. And Northern Ontario, Trevor, Trevor Bennett. So what's going to happen there? Uh, they've got to finish a couple more games yet. Uh, each of those teams have to play 10 games before they've completed that uh, second round robin. And once that happens on Sunday, the playoffs will take place. The first place team will play the fourth. The second will play the third. The two winners will play. And they'll be the 2021 champions. Are there any different rules, Warren, when they play the, the mixed team championships compared to four men or four women teams? No, it's pretty much the same. The uh, interesting thing about mixed curling, uh, for years, 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 it had to be a man skipping and a man playing second, a woman third, and a woman lead. And uh, that went on for many years. And I think it was around, my guess is around 2000, when they finally agreed that uh, a woman could skip. So you now could have a woman skipping, a woman playing second, with a man third, a man lead. But those are really the only rules that would differ it from uh, regular four-person curling as to who has to play what positions. You can't have people of the same gender playing two positions back-to-back. -back. They have to be alternated. The Stu Cells Halifax Classic is underway this weekend. There's a men's division and a women's. The 16 teams on the men's side are playing a triple knockout to qualify eight teams for the playoffs. Well, in the women's division, the teams have been divided into four sections of four teams, and two teams from each section will qualify for that playoff. Uh, and a reminder that all this action is going to be uh, taking place and streamed on curling.com. Okay, I think I understand that format, Warren. This is a, going to be a topic of one of our shows here <laughs> in the near future. With all these events happening every week, I have to spend a, a fair amount of time studying what kind of a playoff are they using. And in some cases, when I look at it, I go, okay, I think I get that. Let me look at it further. And this is, uh, this is going to be an interesting topic for us to discuss is how do you go through all these events and what is the ideal playoff system? And maybe everybody should get together and kind of start doing this all the same way because... 
It used to be that case, but right now it's it's all over the map. And I can remember back in the days with the Briar when we went to the page system playoff, because this creates a lot of confusion with people. And we used to have to explain that playoff very clearly at the end of the round robin and put it out in publications and everything else for people to understand it. And uh, I know very well it's what's happening here now. A lot of people in, in the public take a look at all this stuff, and they, they're not going to spend the time to analyze what's really happening here. They'll just switch the channel. So it's a, a topic for one of our shows. Well, I'll tell you, uh, never mind fans or listeners to the show, Kevin. The host has a hard time following the playoff system. (laughs) (laughs) Why why is this a big event, Warren, the Stu Cells? Well, the Stu Cells series uh, primarily is in Ontario, but this is an event that uh, he takes outside of Ontario, and and it's a fairly uh, well-managed, well-run event, some pretty good prize money, and it's got most of the top teams from Atlantic Canada in there. There's on occasion... Teams have gone from uh, Ontario into that uh, as well, some of the better teams. Brad Gushu, I think, won it, if not last year, the year before. I think most of those teams heading for the trials are probably taking this week off. So for that reason, I don't think any of them are in it. But normally you'd see some of the top teams at an event. So it's it's one of the notable uh, events on the tour and uh, certainly a big one for Atlantic Canada. Kev, I got a question for you. I was listening to an interview with Rory McIlroy the other day, and, and the guy asked him, do you ever golf for fun? anymore and without hesitation he said absolutely not <laughs> there's no more there's no more fun i can't i can't do it it's you know i'm i'm into this thing up to my neck he, he was quite funny did you ever curl for fun kev when you were competing at at the highest level certainly not in the last 15 years of my career maybe when i was just getting started young and full of energy and i'd go play with some friends or whatever but certainly not the last 15 years nope i i uh, i play a couple of uh I play a lupus event down south every year, uh, uh, raising money for the Lupus Foundation. But other than that, I haven't played a game in eight years. It's just, uh, I'll do other stuff. <laughs> do play pickleball down here, down the States, or uh, or play some beer league hockey, or uh, play golf. But no, I don't. I'm the same. I'm the same. There's no, uh, no once you do it for so long, I, I guess you just have to, you know, if you're going to have fun, do something else. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a whole pile of things tied to that too. I mean, I quit curling pretty pretty young because I was involved in the curling business. I think I quit curling competitively at 37, and I thought I would continue to play a bit here and there. And it was amazing. I, I think after that time that I kind of retired, I think I played in two bond spiels uh, over a 10-year period. Played a little bit in the club for a while, but like Kevin says, once you've played at that level, you, you just don't have the, the desire because it takes a lot to be able to play at a top level mentally, physically. And when you go out on a sheet of curling ice, you've had expectations of yourself. And all of a sudden, if you're not playing at that level, those expectations aren't there. So I find it becomes very frustrating. I used to play be a pretty good golfer. And now I'm no good. <laughs> so I get, I get I get a little grumpy when I'm out there. People are like, what, "What's wrong with you? You're not you're not you're nowhere near good enough to get mad." I still play golf because I've always been no good. <laughs> uh, Kevin, you sat down with Tabitha Peterson and Becca Hamilton from the U.S. Uh, that interview is coming up next. Thank you very much, you guys, for taking the time. I know it's busy. You've got lots of games going on and, of course, the photo shoot next door and all of that. But I want to talk a little bit about your team because, obviously, the team went very well. When Nina was skipping, you're throwing third and the front end, of course, with Becca. But then, of course, Nina's having a little one. 
And so you take over the tea head and bang, all of a sudden win nationals and, and go, everything's going really well. Nina comes back, fits into third position, I think really well. Mm-hmm. And you get bronze at the world's win the autumn gold a couple of weeks ago. I'd like to hear your thoughts, Tabitha, on moving positions and the comfort level of you at skip. And then your thoughts on Nina actually seamlessly fitting into third position. Nina stepped away for a season because she was pregnant with her child. And the timing of it was she was due in February and that's right during our nationals. So we were like, okay, Nina won't be at nationals. So we kind of had to just figure out early on, like in July and August is when we made the decision about what we were going to do. And we decided to kind of move everybody up the lineup that made me skip and just do it right from the get-go so that we could get the most practice in that lineup. And yeah, we had some success with it. And then when she came back, we kind of had a a long discussion as well with every member of the team and the coaches and what we thought was best going forward and who would play where. And it's, it's been great. I think she loves being third. I like being skip as well. So it kind of just works out. Had you ever skipped before? No. (laughs) In league, in league. (laughs) Close enough to the truth. Might as well say it, but it seemed, and I said it right away that that maybe you should have back from when you were kids. But I guess that's kind of funny to step into a new position and show that kind of comfort. Becky, your thoughts on how easy it was for Tabitha? Because it's not, in my opinion, it's not easy to to move a position when you haven't played it. Sure. And it seems seamless. Yeah, definitely. Um, Like Tab was saying, all of us have played together for so long that when she moved up there, it felt like a seamless change because, I mean, I've played second, I've played lead, I played third when Nina was out. And Tab just has this uh, this thing about her where she just doesn't get uptight and nervous. She just draw to the buttons, a draw to the button, or a double hit for the win is a double hit for the win. So <laughs> I think that level of comfort moves down the team as well. So all of us kind of have a nice little ease out there, and the tension's not super high ever. So it's it's good. I want to talk about uh, obviously Olympic year. You've got the mixed doubles trials coming up pretty soon in uh, in Eveleth, and then uh, in Omaha the men's and women's trials. And Becca, of course, you played in both last time. Yes. You know, I'd like to ask you about how uh, we talked about it on, on the NBC telecast, of course, during the Olympics, but how taxing it would be physically and mentally both. What? How many days in a row did you curl? 18? I believe so. It, it was a lot. Yeah. So I guess I'd just like to hear your thoughts on, on, on uh, you and Matt both played uh, all the, every day. Double duty. Yeah, yeah double yeah, duty double for duty. the whole time. We talked about it. After the fact as well, asking if either of us felt drained when we got to our uh, respective men's and women's teams, and, and we thought that we were even more prepared. He even said he played better <laughs> with his men's team. So, Let's start with uh, Eveleth, because you're playing with Joe Polo, I believe, mm-hmm. in that event, back a year with Matt. And Eileen, she's still your fifth, right? Yes. Yep. So she's in the event, too, yeah. with Luke uh, Violet. So, Tabitha, and that's, that's okay, too? Yeah, I mean, I think that anybody, if it happens to anybody, they would probably take it and just do it, right? I mean, we're mentally preparing for it now. And if it happens, you know, we're ready. And there are goods that can come with it in terms of getting more ice time and all of that. And it's like two chances at a medal. So, I mean, there's a lot of positives. Yeah, the gold's the same, right? When you bite into <laughs> it, it doesn't matter which uh, which medal it is. Yeah, that's really interesting to me because... Uh, be hard. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But but what the heck, right? What the heck? If you get a chance. It's even harder watching your team go do fun things 
before while I'm still crawling with my brother. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the rule changes. There, It's a big deal. I shouldn't say rule changes. The potential rule changes at the World Championships. We'll ask both of you, one at a time. The no-tick zone, Tabitha. I could go either way on that one. I think people have gotten very, very good at the tick. And so it's almost like a, if you're up a couple in the last end and you're just ticking, like it's an automatic win in most cases, right? You still have to make your shots. But so, yeah, I mean, at this event, they're experimenting a little bit with if it's on the center line, you can't move it. And yeah, I mean, I like exper- experimenting with it for sure. So I could go either way on that one. Becca? I agree with that. Um, especially, I mean, the tick rule came out or we started using ticks more when it went to a five rock rule. So um, it's kind of interesting now that we all kind of picked up playing with the ticks and now they're changing it back to <laughs> no ticks. So I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, the game's ever changing, right? So I'll take it, whatever. <laughs> I think that's a great point. The game is ever changing. Yeah. All sports are ever changing. Yeah. And uh, like you say, it's not, it's not for sure. Mm-hmm. It's a test case. Mm-hmm. And even this week in the last end or extra ends, right? Yeah. So yeah. have you had the situation yet here? Yeah, we had two eighth ends where we had hammer. So we would have liked to tick the center guards and we could not. So right, so you go. F- what do you do with your first? We came around. Come around with both. Yep. And just make yep. it very difficult on them. Yeah. And how were your last shots? Difficult um, or not bad? No, she made a peel and they kind of ticked one over too. So it was wide open. I just had to draw the forefoot. But yeah. So it's pretty standard in the end. Yeah, that's going to be interesting uh, watching this week, commentating and, and watching the situations and see how it unfolds. Yeah, and what people yeah. do when they can't tick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Four minute thinking time per end. Skipper. So we did experiment with it um, at the World Cups when they had those. That's the timing system that they used a few years back. And and I was playing third at that time. I felt like it put a lot of pressure on the skips, rocks. Sometimes you waste all your time early in the end. And then all of a sudden you have no time to talk about very important skip shots. I just feel like the skip is too rushed and you'd be rushed every single end potentially versus having a long discussion, but then you can play a quick end and bank your time a little bit more. Becca, from the front-enders point of view. I agree with that. We did use it at the World Cup when we were in Shinning, and I think that it was stressful, like Tab said. There's some ends where you're playing hits the whole time, you know, so you have two and a half minutes rolling nowhere, <laughs> and then you get to the next end, and it, there's a lot of rocks in play, and you want to talk about it, and I realize they're doing it for TV and for people that want to watch. Yeah, I, I think I could live without that rule. <laughs> You made a really good point with um, you play a fast end for whatever reason. Somebody, yeah. Somebody's guard slips into the rings. Bing, 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 bing. And you've got three minutes left out of the four, mm-hmm. but it's gone. Right. Forever. Yeah. And it, it was their mistake. Like they slid into the house, not you, but yeah. you've lost that three minutes as well. So yeah. that's a good point. Nobody has brought that up. Becca, no extra ends. So I'll go a little further than that. So not just no extra ends, but instead of just a win and a loss, You've got a chance of getting three points with a clean win, two points with a draw to the button after the tie uh, if you win it, one point if you lose the draw to the button, and then a straight zero if you were to lose the game outright. So kind of a two-pronged question of uh, your thoughts on the no extra ends. I believe that was another rule we practiced at the World Cup a couple years ago. I'm 50-50 on that because, I mean, if I'm down or I need to steal in the extra end, my chances of stealing are a lot less. So I'm I'm okay with it, I think. I mean, if you're down, but now I'll reverse roles if we're up. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how I feel. <laughs> so do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you are down, 
you're gonna have a better chance drawing the button than you are stealing a point in extras. Well, especially if you're down, because likely in the in the tenth end or in the eighth end, depending on the length of the game, if you're down, you're probably throwing lots of guards and draws. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you Yeah. Oh, bonanza. Yeah. Yeah, we just gotta score one point, not two. <laughs> yeah. I think I am not in favor of that one. I think an extra end, I think the better way to determine the winner. And it's only 15 more minutes, so let's just do it. That's great, you guys. Thank you very much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. What do you think about their comments, Kev? Tabitha Peterson, it's really funny. Not not often in the sport would you ever have somebody at that level who can compete at the highest level have never tried the position before. That's amazing to me. And and to be able to just walk in and, and you know, Nina Nina being pregnant and having a little one, which is great. And then Tabitha goes, Well, I guess I'm skipping. Okay. Well, she turns out to be this fantastic skip. Like, how do you wait so long to give it a try? I just, you know, that that was phenomenal to me. How is it possible that you couldn't have skipped before? So, you know, I really enjoyed that conversation because it was startling. Why is it so tough, Kevin, for uh, someone who was a third or second to, to move up? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing moving from second to third isn't too much of a stretch, but, but you just said that going from third or, or another position to skip is is amazing why is it what's the big difference kevin why is it so hard yeah well basically you're you're by yourself when you're skipping you're you're the t-head you're calling the game you've got to make those last shots under all the pressure and 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 yes you get used to it over time but to be able to do it at a high level right away it just doesn't happen and for it to to have happened so seamlessly uh i don't know it just doesn't make any sense to me and that's what that's what makes it a kind of exciting and, and interesting is when it's just something that doesn't occur usually. Yeah, I think it's strange. I think all of us who have made the top level of the sport at some point in time, were probably skips. And certainly when I came up through the high school system and I was a skip and then in men's curling initially, I skipped and because I was playing in an area wasn't as strong as the city of Edmonton, uh, I was successful. I won everything. Uh, and then as time goes on, you try to kind of go to the next level of skip and something doesn't seem quite right. And uh, so then, okay, maybe I'll play second or third. And you kindly find, find out through all that, yeah, I'm a little more comfortable playing second or third that I am throwing that last rock. But for her to say that she'd never really skipped before and step into that position having, it seemed like, really no idea what it was like, it was very interesting. And that's a that's an interesting team. Uh, I worked down in the U.S. for about three years uh, with the USCA, watched that team a lot, and they represented the U.S. in the Olympics in Korea. And they did okay, but there was always kind of something that didn't seem totally there. Nina was skipping, Tabitha was playing third, they were good. But they weren't quite right there. But now from what I've watched them since they've made this switch, I believe they are right there. And they could very easily uh, be uh, on the podium in, in the Olympics this year, I do believe. So interesting to watch them. So this may blow my whole idea out of the water, but I'm going to join a curling team uh, this year. But I want to walk in there and say, I'm just going to skip because I don't want to sweep. <laughs> Is that going to work? I just want to be the boss. I just want to skip. And I don't want to sweep. I've seen Hebert and those guys sweep. I'm going, oh, my God, I could never do that. Yeah, I don't want to sweep. Uh, come on, Warren, can't I do that? Can't I just go and skip? No? Sure. You, you can do whatever you like, Jim. <laughs> you just tell them who you are. <laughs> I'm from Inside Curling. Shut up and sit down. You don't know how to curl. Um, Kev, you're going to Omaha. 
Uh, for the U.S. Olympic trials, uh, we're going to see on NBC. Uh, how do you think these girls are going to do there? From the female side of things, you've got six six uh, ladies' teams and six men's teams uh, competing in Omaha. Uh, Tabitha Peterson, Corey Christensen, Jamie Sinclair, Madison Bear, it's a really strong young team, Delaney uh, Strauss and Kimberly Rhyme. Those are your six teams. I really think, you know, and, and uh, there's there's three favorites. Mass and Bears good too, but I think Tab and uh, and Corey and Jamie are your are your toughest teams, and they actually play each other. Sinclair and Christensen play each other at seven p.m. Saturday evening, uh, so it's a double round robin. But to start the week off, Peterson Christensen on Sunday afternoon at two, and then Sinclair Peterson play Monday morning at eight. So those are kind of what I'm watching for the first half a week. Uh, those three games and just see how it all settles out on the men's side of course Schuster Corey Dropkin the uh, the young bucks uh, Jed Brundridge Rich Runin of course who did very well in the mixed doubles with uh, Jamie Sinclair Greg Persinger and Scott Dunham and the big games I'm watching in that side of things Rich Runin and Dropkin play Saturday at 2 p.m. in the afternoon John Schuster Corey Dropkin Monday at high noon Monday November 15th and uh, Schuster and Runin playing uh, Sunday morning on the 14th at 9 a.m. So on the men's side, those are the games I'm going to be really paying attention to because I think there'll be separation. After you, the Monday night is done, I think you're going to see, you know, kind of a, an idea of what to expect. But uh, it's going to be a really good week. Look, really looking forward to it. One other thing that's kind of neat in curling is the playoff structure is actually best of three. In curling, as far as I know, it's always been a sudden death final in these playoffs it's actually best of three on the women's and the men's side so that's really exciting it's something different and uh you know um obviously it's a little bit trickier from a broadcast standpoint obviously there may not be the third game or there may be the third game you just don't know kind of like hockey where you don't know if it's going to go to seven games or if it's going to end in four or five that is interesting, Kevin, because it's NBC that's doing it. And I certainly know in this country, from my experience, if you're the NHL, I guess, or the NBA, you can schedule a game and then it not uh, appear because of the broadcasters having to schedule it. They're having to sell airtime, everything else. But uh, curling, we've, we were never strong enough to be able to say this is what we want to do. They want set playoff times. The fact that NBC is agreeing to a situation here where there may not be a third game uh, and they're going to now fill that spot with something else is a, a different move. So this is something new and different. So interesting to watch. Is anyone going to take a run at John Schuster, Kevin? Of course, he's got the Olympic gold. Under pressure, you, you've got to go with the, with you know Schuster, I think. Uh, but Corey Dropkin's team, they're really, really good. And they're very young. And that's where I think, you know, they'll, they'll give him a run, definitely. Um, if you get under the heavy pressure at the end, though, to the award being going to the Olympic Games... You know, can the young team stand the heat? Well, we'll see. Um, as far as skill-wise goes, Dropkins every bit, I, th I think, every uh, as strong as, as Schuster. And then there's Rich Runin's team. They're very strong as well. Don't And, and never count out uh, Greg Persinger, of course, is very strong too. So, so it's, um, it's a good uh, cross-section on the men's side. Um, you've got to lean a little bit towards Schuster because, you know, you're, he's got the gold medal in his pocket and the pressure's not going to get to him. But boy, Dropkin, yeah, fantastic, fantastic young team. Did you like it, Kev, when you were, play, you know, the best curler in the world, that every time you went somewhere, everyone is coming at you all the time, that when you're the guy to beat? Well, you're, you kind of earn that. <laughs> Does it make it easier? No. That's why it's always hard to, for teams to stay on top of whatever it is they're trying to stay on top of, because the people are coming at you all the time. But that, 
but you, you, I guess you earn that. And then you have to work twice as hard to try to stay there. That's the tough part. You work like crazy to get to the top, but then when you get there, you have to work twice as hard to stay there. I know exactly what you're saying. I played with Hector Gervais for five years after he had become a very established name in curling. And it didn't matter who we played against. You knew they were going to come at you with their best game because to some degree they felt they had nothing to lose. So you never really had what you would call, oh, I think this is going to be an automatic two points on the scoreboard. It, it just didn't happen. Uh, before we wrap, Warren and Kevin, I want to, you know, for several weeks now, Kev, you've been doing these interviews. We've been talking on the show, Warren. You've been looking at our Facebook group and three of the uh, rules that they're talking about changing from the World Curling Federation, or at least, or at least giving it a try, are the tick shot extra ends and the and the timed ends, whether they're four minutes or four and a quarter minutes. Kevin, are, are you getting a general sense from them? Is is everyone sort of going the same way on these rules, or is it mixed? Or what, what's your take so far from everyone you've asked about these things? Well, I think the uh, the no tick shot because um, because the the slams have been using them. And I don't think it's adversely affected the outcomes. It certainly have more rocks in play, way more exciting for the viewing audience. So that's obviously a really good thing. Then no extra ends. That's kind of, that'll have to be tested later. Um, not to really know. And most of the players are, are not in favor of the four minute uh, per end. But I, once again, I, I've got an open mind to this. Let's, let's watch it occur in the, for a few world championships. And let's see. Let's see the no tick zone. I'm definitely a, f- a fan of, but the other two, well, we'll see. Once once it happens a few times, I think I think it'll come out in the wash, uh, w- one way or another. Warren, what are our listeners saying? Wait in the Facebook group. Uh, do, do you get a sense of whether they want these rules or not? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get more than a sense. <laughs> I would think the majority of them are. Are you guys crazy? What's the World Curling Federation think they're doing? Leave the game alone. Um, I don't think overall our Facebook group is greatly supported, but then I understand that. I, I think if I take a look at the demographic of our Facebook group, they're probably a little older. And for the most part, people that have been associated with the game for many years don't, especially uh, uh, in golf change. That's never been the case. And uh, we'll see where it goes. But I'm, I'm like Kevin. I think until they try it and they actually get a feel for it, uh, we're not going to really know what the result's going to be. That's like all sports when they go to make a rule change and the old boys club you know, come out and go, you're not changing my rules, okay? This is nothing new. I mean, I can go back with what I'm dealing with this sport practically all my life. I've been trying to take it into a new realm, and it's just been one battle after another because if people in back in the 70s had had their way, you'd still be smoking on the ice at the briar because they thought it was okay. Uh, you, you, you wouldn't be able to put your foot on the ice before the game started because that wasn't part of the game. Putting your foot on the ice when you threw when you threw the first rock was the way the game was to be played. To have a warm up that was ridiculous, as the old Scottish secretary said to me. I think that's all a pile of rubbish. That warm up thing, curling is a manly game, and and that's been the attitude. So change is difficult in all sports, but I think curling has been really a tough one. To a lot of battles felt uh, fought along the way to make any adjustments to the way things are or were. I saw some old videos of the curling in the old days, but not only were they smoking on the ice, Warren, the guys had the dart hanging out of their mouth while they were sweeping a rock. <laughs> oh, yeah. <going> <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. I said, now that's an athlete, man. If you could, you can breathe and do that with a cigarette hanging out of your yap. Uh, I thought one of the funny things in time was we play in a world championship in Switzerland, which Kevin and I have talked about that arena in Bern. 
And at that point in time, Gervais smoked on the ice. And, and so we go into Switzerland, and all of a sudden, the Swiss Curling Association, because they're trying to sell the sport in Switzerland as a, as a sport, as a real sport, uh, come out the last minute and suggest, we don't want you smoking on the ice. Well, Gervais was a crusty cat had, had a good day, and he virtually says, screw you, I'm doing it. And so he continued to smoke on the ice. The Swiss press and the fans crucified us. But what I thought was really funny about this whole thing, and this is, a, this is a long time ago, the Italian team had a bottle of wine behind the scoreboard at each end of the ice. It was okay for them to touch up a little after each end, but it wasn't okay for Gervais to smoke. So, you know, that's curling. Kevin, in a previous show, before we go in a, in a show way back when, you talked about uh, weren't you curling and the fans were so close that a guy was spilling his beer onto the sheet? Yep, that was in Switzerland. That was at the Bund Trophy in uh, in Bern, Switzerland. Same city, but in the curling club, they'd rope the sheet off. Yeah, and then everybody could lean over the rope with their beer, and they'd be they'd be right beside your face, looking at the line that you're looking at with the rock coming down the ice. And oh man, but but it was awesome. That was this is this is not a negative story. It's definitely a positive story, and it was phenomenal. I love that event. Those were the days, my friend. <laughs> they never end. Good stuff, boys. Uh, another good show. Thanks, Kev, for getting that interview in the bag. And uh, uh, we're going to do, as I said, we're going to do more and more of that. Big, big thank you to our sponsors. We invite you to support them because they certainly are supporting a ton of curling. That's Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Goldline, Nestle Boost, and Meridian. Uh, we really appreciate those guys. Uh, another reminder, if you'd like to get a hold of us, and we'd love to hear from you, um, you can sign up and be a member of our Facebook group. Thanks a lot to Rod Paulson, who manages that. And send us an email at insidecurling at gmail.com. Good job, boys. Way to go, Kevin. Uh, you enjoy yourself as you're traveling around the world. Warren, you got. You know what? If you work hard enough, Warren, you can bang out another book by next Wednesday. Okay? <laughs> I want you to start. I'll get to it. Take it easy, and we'll uh, talk to you again. You've been listening to another episode of Inside Curling. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim.